0: Isaiah twenty-nine eleven through fourteen, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. That I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive.
1: Thanks, Eve. Thanks for helping your dad out. <laughs> Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you for watching over all of us, being with us, never leaving any of us alone. Continue to watch over us, bless us, and hold you in our, hold us in your care. And be with me as I give the message today. Hopefully that it will help with anybody that's having trouble out there. And just give us each a blessing. In Jesus' name, Amen. I don't understand, I don't know why, but how do I survive? Sin, death, and the devil are all tragedies of life on earth today. They're all real, exist, and they're all intertwined. Christ, through his death and resurrection, gives us victory over these. But while his promise is ours to cling to, The actual realization and fulfillment of this promise will not be realized until he comes back and he returns. In the meantime, how do we understand and get through the suffering and confusion of life? The reality is we all still experience our sin, still experience the tyranny of the devil, and pending Christ's swift return, we all will experience death. Have you ever woke up With the weight of your life bearing down upon you, you sense reality that you aren't good enough, smart enough, beautiful enough, or successful enough. On mornings like this, it's hard to get out of bed. You fear not just what lies ahead, but what was left undone from the days before. Often this despair of terror of our conscience sticks with us all day. These are the thoughts of how unworthy you are, and that there's nothing you can do about it. Martin Luther describes such bouts of utter despair as anfictum. The word has no direct translation into English. It implies terror and despair due to the inability to trust in God's goodness. This is the realization that all your anxieties point to something much deeper inside oneself namely, your inability to withstand the judgment of God on your own and the feeling of separation from our Lord. At such times, God seems terribly angry. At such a time, the psalmist mourns in Psalms 31:22, I am cut off from thy sight. At this time, one feels all alone and cannot believe that redemption can be obtained. Such anxiety always has to do with a person's uncertainty when it comes to their standing before God and their redemption. This is the main terror of the conscious experience of the Christian. As a Christian, you may have experienced similar bouts of anfichtung, as Luther called it. I know I have. It leaves us feeling alone, wondering about why. After all, we are Christians. We do not choose these trials, yet trials they are. In the 16th century, a Spanish priest named St. John wrote a poem about spiritual crisis of faith described as a dark night in which light can only be found within the soul. It was later titled The Dark Night of the Soul, an expression that became common among the theologians of the day to describe spiritual depression and angst. Jonah captures the dark night of the soul in Jonah 2.2 when he prays from inside the fish. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Other translations read, out of the belly of hell and out of the belly of the grave. Depth, darkness, death. This is the language used by Jonah to not only describe his location, but also his spiritual distress. Can you relate? Have you ever walked through a time of spiritual darkness that felt like hell itself? Are you walking there now? John Wesley, who led the revival of the Church of England, French theologian John Calvin, and John Bunyan, who wrote the iconic The Pilgrim's Progress, all battled depression of the spirit. Charles Spurgeon wrote, The flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds, and no more. But the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways, and die over and over each hour. So, dear fellow Christians, we are not alone. Each and every one of us is in good company. In 1530, Martin Luther stated, Suffering should not be something you choose we cannot choose the cross we bear that's up to God believe me I don't think any of us would choose to suffer but in early Christianity it was believed that penance and self-deprivation and inflicting pain on oneself was necessary for salvation but this is not so in Romans 11:6. God says, and if by grace, then is it no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then no more grace. Otherwise, works is not works. And in Romans 3.24, we read, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The suffering that God implies is the kind visited on us by the world and the devil the kind we'd gladly get rid of. And of course, as often happens, and we endure these things, we wonder, why? Why me? Why does God afflict me? Why is he doing this? Doesn't he love me? Doesn't he care for me? We need to understand that suffering helps keep us focused towards the treasure Christ has for us and his eternal promises, which will be ours forever as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4:17 for our light affliction which is but for a moment works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory and in 2 Timothy 3:12 yea and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution and again in 1 Peter 2:19 for this is thankworthy if a man, in conscience toward God, endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Christian suffering is an honor. When we suffer, we should feel blessed. I don't. I don't know if you do either. <clears throat> and yes, I understand this is very hard and dark times. But we're not Christians. Suffer; they have nothing to confront them. They do not have the confidence in God, the Christians have. The mighty promise of God that says, He will be with us and get us through to the eternal hope that we as Christians share. Matthew twenty-eight twenty states, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Suffering for the Christian has its purpose. First, God wants us to be Christ-like both here and in heaven. Here we suffer like Christ did, going through the refining fire, so that we can be worthy of being with him for eternity. Isaiah 48.10 says, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Second, even though God, has, as our Father, doesn't want us to suffer, wandering good things for us, the devil doesn't. God allows the devil to do these things to teach us that the word, his word, is stronger than the devil and death. As long as we cling to him, like Job, and don't abandon the word, we will make it through. After all, as we hear in Matthew seven eleven, if we then being evil know how to give good things, good gifts unto our children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? But God also wants to make sure we don't fall asleep or become complacent in life. Proverbs one hundred thirty two states for the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. And Revelations 3.3 reminds us, Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Suffering helps us to keep a focus on what is real and important. We may think that the darkness we feel is incompatible with joy. We... The joy that we are to feel with the fruit of the Spirit that we receive from the Holy Spirit when he enters and floods our hearts with the joy we get when we accept Christ as our Savior. This increases our doubt as to our standing with God. But the theologian R.C. Sproul says, It is important for us to make a distinction between the spiritual fruit of joy and the cultural concept of happiness. A Christian can have joy in his heart while there is still depression in his head. But now, what about survival? Surviving and suffering and affliction have a strong connection to depression and despair. Here the Bible gives us many examples we can follow to try to combat the world and the devil so as not to lose hope. Everywhere in the Bible where you turn, we are taught to pray, read scripture, and sing. Acts 16:25 states, "And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them." Song and music is often the one item that is forgotten in our battle for survival. Martin Luther noted that in the late medieval church, chant and Latin choral pieces and processionals were still used but but congregational songs were rare, if at all. He thought this was unbiblical and took away a major weapon against the enemy. He stated music is a fair and lovely gift from God Next to theology, I give music the highest place and greatest honor. I would not exchange the little I know of music for something great. Experience proves that, the, that next to the word of God, only music deserves to be extolled as the mistress and governess of the human heart. We know that to the devil, music is distasteful and insufferable. Thus, as early as 1523, he began his work on transforming biblical meditations into hymns. He felt singing would drive the biblical message deep into the cold, dark recesses of the human heart. His hymns, based on many psalms, were composed of, he composed multiple hymns based on many psalms, An example we find in Psalm 130, in trouble deep, I cry to thee. So using both song, scripture and prayer, we can survive, but not just survive, flourish. In times of oppression, trials and depression, when we turn to scripture, we should plead with God on the basis of his promises. After all, the man of God's own choosing is on our side. Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we both may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Proverbs 23.11 says, For their Redeemer is mighty. He shall plead their cause with thee. We should boldly call on the Lord to destroy Satan's lies and his works. In Ephesians sixteen. 10 to 20, we are told, finally be strong in the Lord and in the mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit of all, on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always <clears throat> keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Pray earnestly in all things. Many times we pray and people are flippant. It's quick, it's short. But the Bible tells us in Luke 22:44, and being in agony he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as if great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Finally the Bible also says we are to sing. 1 Corinthians 14:15, what is it with <clears throat> what is it that then I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with understanding also. For singing not only raises one's affection for God, but steals us with confidence to stand defiantly against Satan and his attacks. Therefore, we should not tremble from the enemy, but in the presence of our Lord, whose gospel is a declaration of the enemy's demise. Colossians two thirteen through 14 And you are dead in your sins. And the uncircumcision of your flesh hath quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespass, blotting out all the handwriting of ordinances that was against you, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way and nailing it to the cross, thereby we realize his kingdom will never end." John 16:33, "These things I have spoken unto you that ye might have peace. in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. <clears throat> I think we're going to get all a little early today. I'm going to read a little excerpt of something that I've always enjoyed. It's something that I have on my tie. It's on my Bible case. A lot of you may have heard it, but it really does strike true for people that have a lot of problems or are having facing a trial. One night, I dreamed a dream. As I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that many times along the path of my life, Especially at the lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said, once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times in my life, there was only one set of prints. I understand why, when I needed you the most, why would you leave me? He whispered. My precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never, ever. During your trials and testings, when you saw only one set of prints, it was there that I carried you. And he carries each and every one of us through everything that we do. And in closing, Martin Luther who changed the face of Christianity when he sparked the Protestant Reformation, wrote in one of his letters, When I first entered the monastery, it came to pass that I was sad and downcast, nor could I lay aside my melancholy. On this account I made confession to and to counsel with Dr. Stubitz, a man I gladly remember, and opened to him what a horrible and terrible thoughts that I had, then said he don't you know Martin that this temptation is useful and necessary for you God does not exercise you with this thus without reason <clears throat> what hopeful words well, you will see let me read back up here a minute Martin That You will see, Martin, that this temptation is useful and necessary to you. God does not exercise you thus without reason. You will see that he intends to use you as his servant to accomplish great things. We hope-filled words from a spiritual mentor. Every Christian's journey will occasionally wind through the valley of the shadow of death, and when it does, we need wisdom such as this. We need to be candid with a Christian mentor, possibly a professional counselor, and we need community, support from loved ones, prayer, worship, and finally music to help uplift one's soul and spirit to God. Amen. Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for carrying us and helping each and every one of us through every tribulation that we have in life. Help us all to really realize and understand in those dark times that you're there for us and you always will be. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.